Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Did all humankind begin their lives as spirits? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. This week we continue our look into a speech that was given by Dallin H. Oaks, first counselor in the first presidency. It was a message titled Kingdoms of Glory, in which he's elaborating on the unique LDS teaching called the Three Degrees of Glory. And many times throughout this message, he's going to make it very clear that what he is teaching is from modern revelation or is a unique teaching or doctrine and practice of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We've mentioned many times that whenever a Latter-day Saint has to say that what they're about to tell you comes from modern revelation, you can be pretty sure that it's not found in the Bible, or at least you don't see it that clearly taught in the Bible. What I mean by that is they are reading into the text something that the author never intended in the first place. We find that example in this speech many times, and now we're going to talk about this idea known as the preexistence. We are looking at the third column on page 26 of the November 2023 edition of the Leahona magazine, if you choose to follow along. It says, from modern revelation, Latter-day Saints have this unique understanding of God's plan of happiness for his children. That plan begins with our life as spirits before we were born, and it reveals the purpose and conditions of our chosen journey in mortality and our desired destination thereafter. Now, where do Latter-day Saints get this idea that we began our life as spirits before we were born? Well, one of the passages that they often turn to is Jeremiah 1.5. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, if you did not have any inkling that there was such thing as a preexistence, would the conclusion that you would draw from what you just read, Eric, speak more to us existing as spirits prior to human birth, or would you think that it probably had more to say about God's foreknowledge when it came to the prophet Jeremiah, that God saw that Jeremiah was going to accomplish certain things during his lifetime? It would seem like the latter would be more plausible. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that's very clear because it's God who's doing the knowing, not you. There's no response there. So you have to assume that we were there to be able to have this ability to know that we were being appointed. Now, there are other passages, of course, that Latter-day Saints like to point to to justify some of their teachings. I just find it humorous, Eric, that you have to have a man like Dallin Oaks constantly tell us that modern revelation says this, or our unique doctrine and practice says this, and he has to keep pointing back to that phrase, modern revelation, but then he wants to throw in a Bible verse, and I have to wonder, well, if modern revelation is really teaching what you think that Bible verse is saying, why do you have to have modern revelation interpret it? 
It's because that's not what those verses are saying. It's as clear as day when you look at a lot of these verses. When you look at the proper context, they are not saying at all what Latter-day Saints are saying. It's interesting, though. The Book of Mormon is supposed to be the most correct book on earth, and yet I never see them referring to any Book of Mormon verses to support the idea of preexistence. And of course, the reason they don't is because you're not going to see that doctrine taught in there. Why don't you? Well, because a lot of these doctrines that Latter-day Saints believe today came about after the publication of the Book of Mormon. A lot of what you read in the Book of Mormon sounds like, as I have often explained it, something that was written by confused Protestants. They seem to get it right on one page and wrong on another page. But a lot of your unique teachings of Mormonism are not found in the Book of Mormon at all. That's why we feel it's a bit misleading when the missionaries come to our homes and they want us to read the Book of Mormon as if that is going to explain all the things that Latter-day Saints believe. That just is not the case. This would be one of those doctrines that is suspiciously missing from the Book of Mormon, which makes us wonder. If Nephites really existed, the people that are mentioned in the book, if they really existed, why didn't they tell us about this doctrine? It makes us think that they must not have believed it at all, which I think would be a proper conclusion. Bill, we talk about this in our book, Mormonism 101, and on page 80, we cite out of uh, the gospel principles in response to Job 38, 7, which says, the sons of God shouted for joy. And gospel principles says, when we lived as spirit children with our heavenly parents, our heavenly father told us about his plan for us to become more like him. We shouted for joy when we heard his plan. Now, it's interesting because a BYU professor named Charles Harrell questioned this common LDS interpretation, and this is what he said. Most biblical scholars, however, see God's question as rhetorical and intended to highlight the fact that Job was nowhere around during the creation. The whole tenor of the Lord's query, when read in context with the entire chapter, there you go, is to emphasize the insignificant and fleeting nature of human existence. The Lord does tell Job, however, that the sons of God were there and shouted for joy, but there is no indication that Job was numbered among them. Which would seem to draw also the conclusion that doesn't prove that we were there either, you or myself. The Latter-day Saints have to inject this thought. They have to read into the passage to make it come out saying what they want it to say. See, this is why I'm often confused why they always have to use the phrase from modern revelation, and then they try to give us a Bible passage that they think supports it. Now, in the section two, there are four sections in this talk that Oaks gave. We look at section two now, where once again, Dallin Oaks is going to refer to modern revelation. He said, We know from modern revelation that all kingdoms have a law given and that the kingdom of glory we receive in the final judgment is determined by the laws we choose to follow in our mortal journey. Under that loving plan, there are multiple kingdoms, many mansions, so that all of God's children will inherit a kingdom of glory whose laws they can comfortably abide. Now, this is where Dallin Oaks' language starts to get a little bit confusing, at least least for me. First of all, he starts off by saying, all kingdoms have a law given. Now, we discussed that earlier in the week, and LDS presidents have been very clear on this, and I think we cited Wilford Woodruff, who was the fourth president of the church, where he basically said that if you can show me what law a person is keeping right now, 
I will tell you what kingdom he's going to end up in the next life. If the individual keeps celestial law, then obviously they can be sure they are going to go to the celestial kingdom. If they are only keeping terrestrial law, they will only go to the terrestrial kingdom. The same is true for telestial law. If they are keeping telestial law, they will go to the telestial kingdom. But when you ask a Latter-day Saint, if they know for sure they are keeping celestial law, many times you're going to find a hesitancy on their part to say yes, because they probably know the definition of celestial law, as we've also discussed earlier this week, means that you are strictly obeying every law that God has ever commanded. But no Latter-day Saint is doing that. The best they will tell you is they're trying to, or they want to, or they desire to do that, but they are not accomplishing that. You would think by going back to what Wilford Woodruff said, show me what law a person is keeping, I will tell you where they are going to end up in the next life, that that would mean they're not going to the celestial kingdom because of the law they are keeping, not desiring, the law they are keeping. If Dallin Oaks wants to call this a loving plan, he's certainly free to do so. But is it really a loving plan when the God of Mormonism is giving them a requirement to get the best that he has to offer, but it's a requirement that a fallen human being is probably not going to be able to accomplish? I would say that's not a loving plan at all, and that's why I believe that Christianity, as we understand it from what the New Testament teaches, is a far better understanding of a loving God. Why? Because Jesus paid the price. Jesus, God in the flesh, paid the penalty for our sins. We don't have to suffer for anything. And remember, Dallin Oaks earlier in this talk, he says that after a period in which the disobedient suffer for their sins, which suffering prepares them for what is to follow, that's not Christianity. We are not going to suffer for our sins. The suffering for sin was already performed in the person of Jesus Christ. There's nothing left for us to suffer for. Oak says there are multiple kingdoms, many mansions, so that all of God's children will inherit a kingdom of glory whose laws they can comfortably abide. Bill, let me just interject here and say this very much sounds like Eastern thinking of reincarnation, because karma and what you did in the previous life is going to have an effect on how you're going to be reincarnated in the next life. And so you'll be able to comfortably abide if you move from one level to the next. If you weren't so good in that previous life, you're going to go down where you should be able to figure things out and maybe move it up the next life. So very much sounding like based on your actions in this world, that's where you're going to be able to end up in the next life and be comfortably abiding in that existence. I wonder about the language that Oakes uses here, because he doesn't really elaborate on what he means. He just puts the word abide in quotation marks. Now, we know that that word has been used by other leaders of the past, but let me just read to you from Doctrine and Covenants, section 76, where it talks about those who are going to be going to the telestial kingdom. I'll begin with verse 102. Last of all, 
These all are they who will not be gathered with the saints to be caught up unto the church of the firstborn. That would be the highest level of the celestial kingdom. In verse 103, it says, These are they who are liars and sorcerers and adulterers and whoremongers and whoever loves and makes a lie. These are they who suffer the wrath of God on earth. Now, this is why I'm confused as to what Dallin Oaks is trying to get across here. If all of God's children will inherit a kingdom of glory whose laws they can comfortably abide, and we learn from Doctrine and Covenants, section 76, 103, that those who are keeping a telestial law are those who are liars, sorcerers, adulterers, and whoremongers, and whoever loves and makes a lie. Does that mean the people who go to the telestial kingdom, the reason why they're going to be comfortable where they abide, using the word that Dallin Oaks uses, is because they're going to be able to live out being a liar, a sorcerer, adulterer, whoremonger, and whoever loves and makes a lie. Oh, how can God receive any glory in that? He can't. That's what shows us that this understanding is not at all biblical. But if that's the kind of lifestyle you lived here on earth, and you're going to live comfortably in the hereafter, then are we to assume that the telestial kingdom is going to be full of people practicing sorcery, lying, adultery, whoremongering, and love people who make a lie. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another Viewpoint on Mormonism.